everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with Dave and Nikki Nellis. So we do have a great show today on this wintry weekend. I don't, where are the flowers? That's what I want. I want my cherry blossoms. Uh, before coming. we get started, I just want to remind everybody of the the Holocaust that is being visited on the Ukraine, mm-hmm. um, and really we're we're somewhat helpless here. But the way you can help is to donate to the charities that are that are helping to feed people and clothe people and get people out of the Ukraine and into Poland and Romania and somewhere safe. Um, so you can go to you can donate at World Central Kitchen. You can go to CNN slash Impact, and there's a whole menu of different charities there that you can pick from. But and if please I can also, do something. If I can also jump in, uh, area restaurants and um, hotels, and of course all the people in the industry see this as a uh, terrible tragedy, and so many people are doing so many wonderful things uh, in order to help those in Ukraine. So if you go to the list, com, that is not a shameless plug. We have a whole list of events and fundraisers going on all over the city, so you can always uh, participate in that way as well. Okay. Okay. All right, so on with the show. The mm-hmm. show must go on. Yes. So as always, we're joined by Deb Moser at Central Farm Market. She's mm-hmm. going to tell us what's going on, and they have their own f- very successful fundraising uh, thing Efforts. that they've been doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, it is often said that wine lists don't reflect the diversity of makers from all different backgrounds. Uh, the response from Who Lyles. Says that? Well, that's what it said. <laughs> okay. Why do you have to bust into my thing, man? That doesn't make any the, sense. The response from Lyles, which is a signature restaurant in the new Lyle Hotel at DuPont Circle, is a wine list that exclusively features um, uh, women, LGBTQ uh, plus winemakers, and more from around the globe. Uh, Martha Skidmore, who is the who is Lyle's assistant regional food and beverage director, is with us with taste and talk of those wines that you may not know, and she's popped the cork on a bunch of them, and we'll be. Well, not only that, I love the idea of getting to know the stories behind the wine because we don't always get to dig in on that. Okay. Go. Okay. Come on. This so, is a long introduction. A really fascinating. Oh my God. Go. A really fascinating book is Zero Waste Living: The Eighty Twenty Way by our new friend Stephanie Miller. Um, it's all about really reducing food waste, which happens to be the most, probably the the largest problem um, uh, with waste that the planet faces. Uh, But she also gets into recycling and all that. Stephanie is the founder of Zero Waste in D.C. and a former director of uh, climate business at the International Finance Corporation of the World Bank. You didn't bring a bag of money with you, which I find really... That's uh, the only reason why he wanted you on the show, Stephanie. We're going to be talking about her book. Well, I can't help it. Okay. Uh, uh, Zero Waste Living uh, shortly. And, and of course, I love all our guests, but I'm really going to love talking with Christine Delosier, who is the author of Diet for Great Sex, Food for Male and Female Sexual Health. Eat up, honey. Yeah. And um, we're going to talk to her, too. There mm-hmm. she is smiling at me. And there we go. But first, Deb, let's talk about what's going on at the markets, but also about your fundraiser for the Ukraine. Good morning. Good morning, Nikki and David. Hi. We had an excellent turnout last week. Um, thank you, too, for helping us publicize that. In three and a half hours, our great patrons came through. 
We met met our match in three and a half hours. Amazing. So we sent wow. off over. We went over it and we sent off twelve thousand dollars last week to World Central Kitchen. That's amazing. We're continuing. Yeah, yeah. We were really pleased. I mean, people really care and they're they're showing how they care. So mm-hmm. come on out to, today and donate again and uh, we will send more over there. So I just want to say that. And we're getting ready for St. Patrick's Day, of course. So right. lots of good things at the market. We have baked goods, uh, green cookies. We have lots of cabbage. If you don't like cabbage. Normally when cookies are green, you don't eat them. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah that too. <laughs> <laughs> But you David, can you still get always a pleasure. I know, thank no, you. he's so annoying. I'm more annoying than your husband, and that's I, hard. Come I know. on. Um, can you still get briskets and stuff like that? Are we too late if we didn't order in no, advance? Nope, there's plenty there. So you know, come on over. We got potatoes, we got briskets, we got anything you want. Cabbage. Oh, and it's daylight savings. And it is. is so it is. yes. So Praise we the Lord will be extra ammo. happy. That's good. Right? Life. Sunday is daylight extra savings. Life. Am I wrong? No, you're right. So, tonight, so we're, we're springing tomorrow. forward. Tonight we lose we an hour. Spring fo- we're springing forward. We're springing forward. That's right. Okay. Dog. All right, Deb, tell everybody where they can find you, please. Okay, centralfarmmarkets.com. Uh, two winter markets still going on, so mm-hmm. come on out and have fun. All right. right, so Martha Skidmore has joined us. She's, as I said, uh, with Lyle's at the Lyle Hotel. And you guys, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Uh, you guys took an interesting position, and that is, you said, let's let's really go out and let's fill our cellar with wines that are spectacular, but that a people may not have heard of, and b come from a real diversity of, of producers. Was that that was your way of sort of finding your point of differentiation in the marketplace, or was somebody passionate about it in the first place? Sure. Well, we opened a year ago, and Dupont Circle is a vibrant community historically the LGBTQ community of D.C. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to create Wines by the Glass that represented our community, and we want to be a haven for our community, and we also want to represent our team. And we wanted wines that were produced by people that might look like them, love like them, and live like them. So. Well, but I think you nice bring up a, a, a good point. I mean, I don't know if people know the stories behind the makers of every bottle of wine that they order. So you're really taking the extra step. To find out, are there a lot of LGBTQ winemakers? I know there's not a ton of women winemakers. More and more are getting notif- notice, but that's a that is a burgeoning field. Sure, and we actually I brought wines that focused on women mm-hmm. because it is March, right. International Women's, Women's Month, Month, and um, it is it's a little more difficult to find LGBTQ winemakers, but they all have this fantastic story and that's what we wanted our team to hear that's what we want them to tell our guests mm-hmm. so it's fun it's a fun project we love doing it our team loves it so i bet well they get to taste all the wine yeah of course okay so um <laughs> let's start with your first wine story what do we got sure we're Look gonna pour mcbride first mm-hmm. so mcbride sisters um it's a wine a lot of people know you've either seen mcbride or you've seen um Black Girl Magic yep. is theirs as well as She Can. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't know, like you said, the story behind the wine. And Robin and Andrea, these two sisters that lived on opposite sides of the earth and didn't know they were sisters. They shared a father. They found each other later in life, realized they both had this passion for winemaking. One grew up in Monterey, California. One grew up in New Zealand. Great wine places in our world. Genetic. I'm 
like it, having and the chills. This yeah. is such a crazy story. Well, can I just say? No, no, no. Well, shush, well, let her finish. No, 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 no. We'll get to it. But all the, the wines that you featured, the stories behind them, they're all really crazy stories like this. Yeah, it's cool, right? Yeah. Okay, so like, they got together. They got together, realized they had this passion for winemaking. Um, one being in Monterey, we can make this great Merlot from California and we can make a great Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. But it's also about them and how they are really trying to change the wine industry for women and for black women in particular. So they have She Can. And in 2020, you know, they raised over $300,000 for scholarships. So they really make an impact on their community cool. as well. All right. Well, while you pour that for us, I'm going to apply for a scholarship. We're going to get in to. Um, yes, we are. We're going to so talk. Can I introduce, please? Because oh, I feel like you've, you've really taken over here. I have. So um, I should. First of all, uh, Stephanie has joined me on uh, Industry Night, where we had a deep dive on recycling and zero waste living. And I did start off that show by saying. Um, Cycling is hard and it's confusing and, and living a waste-free life is hard when there's so much plastic out there and, and not knowing about what gets composted. Like there's all these rules and it changes in every township. So, um, Stephanie, it's so great for you to join us today. And I know we don't get to do a deep dive, but we do get to do a little talk about what people can do to live the 80-20 way, which is the tagline of your book. Yeah, so maybe I should say what the 80-20 way is first. Yes, I love that. Um, and it's great to be joining you and great to have the wine Stephanie passed around. Stephanie's obviously a process person. Go ahead. <laughs> cheers. So cheers. Here, you uh, that one. So, yeah, 80-20, cheers, okay. mm-hmm. uh, is just this idea I borrowed from the business economics world of not all actions are equal. And if we focus on the 20% most impactful things, we can kind of get about 80% of the way there. So if you think about... Um, you know, when I used to be in my World Bank uh, job, we used to say, let's focus on the 20 percent uh, most important clients because they give us 80 percent of the business. So that's retail. I, yeah, but but it works for zero waste. And that's what I set out to do is to figure out what's the 80 20 rule for zero waste living. If we want to try to nobody can get to zero waste. Right. It is impossible. Even the, the best of the best out there mm-hmm. produce something because our society doesn't allow us to go through our daily motions without producing uh, some uh, plastic waste and food waste and all kinds of waste. Uh, But um, uh, 80-20 is about figuring out those things where we can have an impact that don't, we don't have to change our lives to to do that. Well, and I appreciate that because I think if we're going to get more people on board to take care of the environment and at the end of the day really take care of themselves and the animals and et cetera, we have to make it a little more convenient because the like plastic is everywhere and it is convenient. And, yeah. you know, even when, um, like I was just on a, a plane the other day and instead of them pouring water, they were giving out bottles of water. And I was like, mm-hmm. it's such a waste. Why are you doing that? Do yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. it's little things. So let's talk about some of the things that, Let's talk about plastic first. Okay. Let's talk about some of the little things that um, we can do to uh, negate our plastic use. Yeah. So 
Plastic is everywhere. Single-use plastic is the problem we need to focus on. So what is single-use plastic? Yeah, single-use plastic is just that stuff that we touch maybe a few seconds, a few minutes uh, a day or a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things like the plastic water bottle that you just talked about in the airplane. Mm -hmm. It's things like the shampoo bottle. Uh, those are not single use, but I classify it that long. way. They don't last too long. How about long. the bags from the dry cleaner that you mentioned? Yeah, the bags from the dry cleaner are what single can we use. What do about that? Well, she has a solution. Okay, what's your solution? What's your solution? Well, so so first of all, actually, the, the dry cleaning, I'll just tell you quickly. I, this was my beginning, uh, my, my roots in this three years ago, uh-huh. is that I quit my job. I decided, okay, I was, I was focused on climate change at high levels, government, private sector, but what could I do in my own life? went into my own dry cleaners that I used to go to every week, and I said, could you just put my dry, my clean clothes into my own garment bag? I don't know why it took me having to quit my job to ask that question. We are all afraid, right. I think, of getting the no answer, right? But I did that, and the woman behind the counter said, no problem. And I thought, well, maybe other people would want to do this too. And so I, I totally asked. I want to do it. Yeah. I asked. About a week later, I went in, and I said, well, would you – Think about offering a reusable bag program to your customers. And she got very excited and she flipped through her catalog and found uh, a bag that she could order, uh, sell or give away to her customers, just a few dollars that has their logo on it. And now a third of their customers, and this happened within a few months, a third of their customers use these reusable bags. Oh, my God. That is such an inspiring story. Wait, on that note, we have to take a quick break. This is David and Nikki Nellis. I don't want to take a break. I know. We got more insights when we come back. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking to Stephanie Miller about zero waste living and if it can be accomplished. I think we were on the the trail of reusable. That dry cleaning tip is Well, I mean, that's like bringing your own bags to Whole Foods. Yeah. And But we talked about that. So, I mean, I remember when I was young and you would see, like, these random hippies. Do you know what I mean? Like, coming with their own bags. And, like, it, there wasn't. They had to be hippies. They, Of course they were. No Republicans. No, but, I mean, like, now everybody does it because we understand the value. But I think there was a time where, like, there was no value to that. It looked weird. I don't know. I can't put it into words. Well, there's. strange. Uh, it was fringe back then, Maybe and it's not it. fringe now. And mm-hmm. and the exciting part about, ta- you know, realizing you can do something and then doing it, to me, the exciting part is realizing other people will notice, and you start to you b- get to be a trendsetter. Be mm. that uh, well, I think. Well, nothing against hippies, but even better, you get to be mainstream. Not. And right. and if you get your friends to do it, if you write about it on social media, if you talk about it on the radio, you get other people to do it too. And mm-hmm. pretty soon it's not a fringe thing anymore. All right. I'm going to take you slightly to a different – we had a conversation before the show um, about our friend whose family is in waste management and recycling and about the when conundrum. When throw it out. Well, you know, if you don't know if something is recyclable, you're supposed to throw it out. And that bothers me because it's just adding to the landfill anyways. But the whole manufacture of plastic items is a is a Problem. conundrum. Yeah. And and how to, you know, what to recycle and what they can literally, what, what we should put in the bin and what they'll actually recycle. Only about 11% of plastic is recycled, Okay, right? what's yeah. your question? I'm, stop. I'm waiting. So... Why do they do that, first of all? Why isn't there, you know, more control, more uniform control of the production of plastic so it can be recyclable? And why do they make it so bloody hard? Yeah. So, first of all, 
recycling is is not just plastic, right? In fact, plastic is probably the least economic thing to recycle of the, you know, you've got metals, highly recyclable, paper, very recyclable as well with cardboard and glass depends on where you live. Plastic is in the mix. So the, the really important thing to realize is that for those of us who have access to residential recycling in this country, which is about half of us actually, hmm. um, we need to get it right. And unfortunately, it's just the way it is. Every municipality does it differently. Amen. So the, your friend's rule is correct. When in doubt, do throw it out because the price of getting it wrong can mean the entire bin uh, or the entire truckload could be contaminated. But there's a much better thing than when in doubt, throw it out, and that is get it right. Just yeah. get it right. And the really simple way to get it right, you, we all know where we live. We know what, what uh, municipality or county is responsible. Just Google recycling rules near me. Mm-hmm. They make it super easy because they want you to get it right. They create these like child-like you know, posters for children that show you exactly what can go in and what can't yeah, go in. Yeah, but why can't like in the district you can co-mingle? You can throw glass, plastic, and paper in the same bucket and they'll deal with it. In Montgomery County, you you can't throw paper in there, and they don't want glass. Right. And if a glass, we were told that if something that is glass breaks, it throw, they throw away the whole thing. That's well, correct. I mean, and so, because to me, what it sounds like is, it's really a it's before the recycling. What are you purchasing? So, how do we be more uh, thoughtful? In our purchasing, but he has a good point That's about Montgomery it. County because if we can't recycle glass. What's, well, if you what's throw our... paper in with your plastic, they they chuck it. It's right. like, do you want to succeed out there, folks, or not? Okay. Yeah. So, unfortunately, in this country, for glass to have a market to be recycled, there needs to be a purchaser of the glass that is right. in there. And in this country, unlike in Europe, uh, much less glass is actually recycled because there are no glass manufacturers well, at least in this region nearby. Mm-hmm. So there is glass that gets used for road construction, for example, but right. all the glass we throw away is not used the way it could be if there was an uptaker, if there was someone willing to buy the glass. Do the, do the manufacturers, like, I just drove, happened to drive through Corning, New York, and I mean, do they, do, they are glass manufacturers, do they have a recycling? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I don't know Corning, New York well, but. Believe me, I used to actually manage the glass industry when they can get their when the glass manufacturers forget, can, can can get their yeah can get their hands on glass. It drastically reduces their cost to be using recycled glass. It's called cullet. So if Corning is uh, manufacturing glass, you can bet that they are buying that glass from the municipalities that are collecting it. Interesting for sure. So how do we? What are some of the best tips that you give? Um, I mean, like the the dry cleaner is amazing and obviously don't take plastic bags. But when I go into my grocery store or quite frankly, even at the farmer's market, no shade on Deb, some of them use plastic. Yeah. I mean, they're reusing, you know, plastic bags from grocery stores, but we're still getting that plastic bag. Yeah. How do we how do we like end our plastic addiction? Because we're addicted. And then yeah. we got to talk about food waste, which is OK. The big OK. OK. Plastic first and food. Plastic waste. first. It's your own show. Go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> OK. So we have to let go of eliminating all plastic in our lives. It's just not doable. And what I recommend is you th- take a step back and think about or just notice for a day 
where is the plastic in your life? What are the single-use plastic? What are you bringing in? For me, it was when I was in my corporate job, it was the plastic water bottle. You can do the math on this, but I was going through one to two of these a day, so Mm. 600 plus in a year, and uh, I didn't think about it. So I now carry with – so that was my issue. It won't necessarily be everybody's issue, Mm -hmm. but plastic water bottles was key for me. I now walk around, as you can see, with my – reuse my swell bottle, which I love, and I don't forget it because I let myself go thirsty if I do. Everybody's got their equivalent of that. Okay, wait. Let's get to food because we don't have a ton of time. Okay. And I know he wants to talk about food waste. Yeah. Well, so food waste – Food waste is a huge problem, but the really exciting thing about that is individuals are the biggest part of the problem Mm -hmm. and therefore can be the biggest part of the solution. Mm -hmm. Food waste in landfills contributes to uh, methane, which is a very potent greenhouse gas. Making sure food waste doesn't end up in landfills means you're eliminating that methane production. Which is why composting is so huge. We compost, but we're not even clear still about what can go in there because it was always – you know, vegetation, if you will, that yeah. went in there. But then we heard that chicken bones and all that could go in there too, but that doesn't seem right. Yeah, so it depends on the system. And some co- it's a little bit like recycling. you got to know the rules. you got to know what goes in. We are so lucky in the D.C. area so because we have a lot of options. One is, Deb, the farmer's markets, right. not all of them, but in each ward in the district, there is a farmer's market that will accept your compostables, not chicken bones, by the way, but the produce stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coffee grounds. Yes. Uh, compostable Anything paper, that stuff so, like didn't that. didn't have eyes, ears, or yeah. paws. So that's free. Free composting. I do it too. I use mm-hmm. that option. I also have a backyard system, but I don't want to put so things in a tractor. So you composting to the farmer's market? The stuff I don't want to put in my backyard compost, I do schlep to the farmer's market wow. because – because I'm dedicated to this. But but uh-huh. but if you're willing to pay a little money and not everybody wants to, there are great services in this area. Yeah. Compost cab, I think you guys use. use. Yeah. I used to. Compost, compost crew, veterans compost, compost does take the chicken bones, by the way. So it depends on the system that they have. So you can do it for free at one extreme. At the other extreme, you can do it yourself in your backyard. It's- like 15 bucks a month. It's not if you do hire the 30. crew. But anyway, whatever it is, it's, we it's, think it's worth the expense. If you have the disposable income to, I think it's 8 or $10, I can't remember, a week, it is totally worth it. And it's a very good feeling <laughs> when you realize what you're avoiding, what well, you're not putting. But I also putting. think what's interesting is, is when you open, when it's full and you open it up, I mean, the heat does escape. I yeah. mean, it's like a little microcosm of yeah. what's actually happening in a landfill. So you do really get it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It is a process. It's a heat intensive process if it's done right. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I can't believe we're out of time because there's so much more to talk about. Uh, Stephanie, tell everybody where we can find your book online and where we can find you. Speaking of which, we got our own autographed copy. Yay. (laughs) So it's available pretty much through any online retailer. You can order it through your favorite local bookstore. Uh, zero Waste Living the 80-20 Way. By Stephanie Miller. Thank you so much. Thank you so you, much. You know something. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I like talking about this stuff. Hey. Okay, and Martha. let's talk to somebody else who knows something. Martha knows a Martha, lot about wine. this wine was really lovely. Good. Like, what a great way to start the morning. <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> it's cold outside. You can be Will warm you inside. Will you wake me up for the next segment? Okay. You know? right. um, so as you guys were putting together um, your wine program, how did you go about the research? To find these stories and and find the people that you really wanted to celebrate. A lot of it was Google. Um, a lot of Google. A lot of it was our distributors. 
Um, once we got our distributors on board with what we were doing, a uh-huh. lot of them got excited about it and wanted to come and research their own, you know, inventory and find what they could bring to us. So uh-huh. that was really probably the biggest resource we used was our distributors. And what is a, the general like wine program at the Lyle? Like what is the general beverage program? Was this always a part of it? This is more new now. So this was new. We opened with just kind of a standard by the glass list. Mm -hmm. And then once we really figured out where we wanted to be in our neighborhood and got to know our team, Mm -hmm. we wanted to do something that was special and reflected us. Okay. So now I know where you guys are in DuPont Circle. You guys do 20 glasses. We 20 wines 20 by the glass? That's a lot. Glass. Yeah, a yeah, it is a lot. Because it was fun. Like, when you heard the story, you almost were like, oh, we have to put this yeah, on the list. Yeah, <laughs> but nothing's worse, candidly, as a, just a meatball consumer going in someplace, and they have so few wines by the glass, it's clear that they're trying to funnel you to buying a bottle. Okay, I don't you know, really feel like there's a lot of places I, that, that happened, are doing this. I saw so. that recently, so I won't mention the place. Okay. But it was like, there weren't a lot of choices, and it was like, ugh, you know. I don't want any of these. Should we? Mm-hmm. We might as well buy a bottle if we want wine. When I did tell Nikki too, one of the cool things is also our wine list spans a pretty good price range. Mm-hmm. You know, our most expensive is twenty one by the glass, Which is and our least not expensive bad. is fourteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. pretty good, especially in the city. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Um, okay, so let's tell. So we're going to talk about two wines now. Let's talk about the first wine. We're going to take a break, and then we'll come back to you, and you'll tell us about the second wine. Sure. So what's the first? We're going to we're going to be double fisted. I want to talk about wines. Albino Roca. Can we talk about that first? No, let her talk about the wine that she wants on, to Martha. talk about. I brought. Um, well, I like changed more? it up because oh, right. I did grow up in the '90s. Mm-hmm. So after watching the Super Bowl halftime show, I have been very much jamming out to my '90s R and B. So right. I brought. Mary J. Blige's rosé. I love that. So uh, her rosé sun goddess. She partnered with Fantanelle Vineyards in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, she loves Pinot Grigio. She knew she wanted to do a Pinot Grigio rosé. She had a lot of tasting. She was involved from the design of the bottle to the taste of the wine. And she thought Mario kind of reflected the energy of the sun like she did. Uh-huh. And that's why she went with Mario. And they created this amazing rosé sun goddess. Now, what region is the rosé made from? Fruly. So it's, okay. you know, the Pinot Grigio okay. region. Right. So does it have a lot of Pinot Grigio feels? It does. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. All right. While you're pouring and that. And that was important to her. Okay. Because she so loves Pinot Grigio. It's her favorite. Makes sense. Okay. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We're doing women and wine in the studio. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Martha just poured us her Italian rosé. Yeah. And so I was saying that, I just want to say, if Mary okay. J. Blige is drinking this, I'm drinking this. Right. You know? Yeah, that sounds like you. Because um, I'm a hip-hop guy. So, yeah, right. He's a hoppy guy. Well, when I trip over the dogs, I'm a hip-hop guy because I break my hip and I hop over them. <laughs> That's basically, absolutely. Um, so I really don't think I like Italian rosés because a lot of rosés are really strong. And um, usually they don't have a Provence style to them. But this seems to be in a a Provencal style. Am I right? You are right. That's why I like it. Like I said to you, I'm a French rosé all the way gal, Mm -hmm. but I really enjoy this one too. Did you know that D.C. drinks more rosé than anywhere else in the country? I did not know that. 
Little DC, we drink yeah. a lot of rose. French rose all the way sounds like when in doubt, throw it out. I like no, this. No, rose all day. We have another one. I didn't bring it because I wanted to feature all women, but we have a rose on our list called La Fete du Rose. Mm-hmm. And it's, have you heard of this? Yes. Donay is also a Baltimore native. So it's really cool that we also get to showcase these yeah. locals. Right. That is very cool. Okay, so you're going to pour one more wine, uh, another wine in this segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us what it is and tell us the story behind it. Sure. So I brought the Oceano Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. which I said we like to feature locals. Rachel Martin is a oh, Virginia native. Right. So she, Rachel was with uh, Boxwood, Boxwood. Yeah. right, for years. And then she in Middleburg, mm-hmm. at, which is an amazing winery. Amazing. Rachel is responsible for Middleburg be, getting their AVA. She Petitioned for it in 2009. It was awarded in 2012. And because she had been there since the inception, she was able to go and start from scratch in California. Right. With her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, they hired on Marbu, who is a uh, black winemaker from Sierra Leone. Oh, neat. Moved to Peru as a six-year-old and then ended up in California um, later in life. Went to school there. Uh, being from West Africa, his family said, oh, you're going to be a doctor. That's great. Went to UC Davis, said, I'm going to be a winemaker. Yeah, Yeah, went and said, I want to be a winemaker. And he is her winemaker. That's amazing. There is not a lot of people of color making wines that are getting the uh, uh, notoriety that they deserve. Yeah. So that's exciting. I didn't realize that that was Rachel's. That's so funny. And so it's her and her husband. And a little story also behind the label is it features two seahorses um, and they were trying to design what their label would be, and they said that seahorse is mate for life. Okay. So that's why it's on their label. Yeah, I see that going bad. But anyway, <laughs> okay, so while you're pouring that, and I feel like that's a perfect segue to our next yes. guest, right? I, mean, I, w- I want to say this. I've read, I don't know, Hemingway, Herman Woke, you name them. I've met, read the great American authors, but my mm-hmm. favorite American author as of this show mm-hmm. is Christine Delosier, who wrote... Diet for Great Sex, Food for Male and Female Sexual Health. Welcome, my favorite <laughs> author. To food yeah. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. So are you obsessed with sex and food? Is that what the thing is? <laughs> Which one are you more obsessed yeah. with? That's the question. I-, I would say food. Yeah, I would say food is my first love, you know. Um, well, we don't that, find that sex until later life. in life, right? We start with yeah. food. We find sex later. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Some of I think us. Women find right. sex a lot later, really, honestly. I mean, I didn't really develop a full appreciation of sex until I was like in my 20s. You know, it was just, you know, all fun and games and, in, in, you know, earlier, earlier years. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, but I like them both, you know, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with food um, and with science and mm-hmm. with uh, sex. I specialize in sexual health in my private practice. And I trained to be a research scientist, um, so I kind of incorporated all of these loves into um, what I did. Uh, well, I, I just want to point out, you were at the University of Rochester. Our son is graduating from she RIT, knows. and so you must know everything. Yeah, well, she was uh, also— well, I definitely know where to eat in Rochester. Right. Um, and <laughs> I'm so going to on... share that with you, my, my favorites. She, um, she was on Industry Night. Oh. So we, but I didn't do a whole show with her, but she was on for the first 15 minutes so that we could do a little I, dive. Are you in Rochester now? Yeah. I am, yes. Oh, go eat at Avino. We had no, a great No, no, okay. Can there. we do the show? Oh, sorry. We can talk about that off I'm air. currently right down the street from Avino. Right. Um, and I, I love eating there. One of my patients actually got me a gift certificate to Avino uh, last year, and oh my goodness, uh, yeah, so good. 
And then you went home and had sex. Okay, this show's getting, (laughs) we are going down the rabbit hole. All right, so can we talk about how you decided to write this book and and what were you trying to explain to people when it comes to our diets and our sex lives? Because I don't think a lot of people think that they go hand in hand with each other. Right, you know, when we think about great sex, we usually think of it as a psychological phenomenon. We think about the right person, the right mood, all of those things. But physiologically, Great sex is when our nerves are firing strong, rapid impulses to and from our genitals. And that's true for males. It's true for females. Um, When we talk about orgasm, ease of orgasm for my female patients, for example, we're talking about the strength and speed of that nerve conduction. Um, Great sex is when our blood vessels deliver adequate blood flow, and it's when our sex hormones are balanced. And there's lots and lots of research showing that food very directly affects all three of these. Well, then, wait, I'm sorry. The the most natural question to ask, because I like to get right down to it, is which foods are we talking about? Well, um, well, there's lots of foods. There's lots of foods that you should definitely include in your great sex diet. But one of my favorites, uh, one of the absolute best foods for great sex is leafy greens. And the reason is that it improves this whole trifecta. In research, you know, uh, leafy greens were shown to actually reduce the stress hormone cortisol, which sabotages testosterone. Testosterone is needed for male and female libido. It's needed for sexual health in general, in general for everybody. Mm-hmm. And we live in these really stressful environments. We have so many demands placed on us. So our cortisol is really high. Um, leafy greens were shown to reduce cortisol, help maximize testosterone. They're loaded with antioxidants. And in research, antioxidants very clearly, very strongly speed and strengthen nerve conduction, which means those pleasure signals are stronger, they're faster. And it means that, you know, there's uh, better erections, there's better orgasm, all those things uh, come into play. And of course, leafy greens are one of the best things that you can eat for blood flow. They actually in the short term improve blood flow, and they in the long term improve vascular health. Pass the broccoli. Well, I mean, but I have to say, like, but leafy greens aren't sexy you know what i mean like i mean you're talking about living a life you're talking about this being a part of your everyday life not just a meal that leads to great sex yeah but but you can do both the ones that are supposed (laughs) to be the big aphrodisiacs are are oysters are oysters even worth it oh yeah oysters are actually worth it there's only a little bit of research to show that they're actually an effective aphrodisiac but um the thing about oysters is this okay there's lots of research showing that zinc is huge when it comes to great sex when it comes to fertility and oysters have about for one oyster it has about 50 percent of your daily zinc so Hmm. it's huge that's probably why they get that reputation as being an aphrodisiac but how does zinc uh what does zinc do for your libido yeah your sexual well-being uh, well, it helps um, moderate your sex hormones, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, uh, zinc is um, zinc has a lot of anti-inflammatory properties. Zinc helps deal with even environmental toxins. Um, so, um, so for example, uh, you know everything that we're exposed to in our environment, all of the pollution, the cadmium, you know, all these heavy metals that we deal with that we are exposed to. Some people absorb more of these than others, and that wreaks havoc on our endocrine system, mm-hmm. on our vascular health, and um, and on our nerve health. And the more uh, zinc you have, the better your body is able to deal with these environmental, uh, this environmental assault that we're kind of under on a daily basis. 
Um, no, zinc is a huge player um, in endocrine health, in um, in the whole the whole picture. It's a, That's it's a really one. interesting. I didn't realize that. Now, I did see that you talk about fasting and intermittent intermittent fasting is sort of all the rage at the moment. Where is where do you feel fasting helps in you know your daily lifestyle and how it affects your sex life? Like, where are you on all that? So fasting has been shown to help uh, normalize the endocrine system. So uh, things like, you know, the, the amount of uh, the amount of abuse we put our bodies under, like eating so much refined sugar, for example, it really it causes what we call leptin resistance, which is what tells you when you're full. It causes insulin resistance. Um, fasting has been shown to improve insulin resistance, improve, improve leptin resistance, which then leads to um, better, uh, balance of sex hormones. So whenever you, all those things like those, you know, things that type two diabetics get, but even most of us, you know, kind of have a lower level of that, Mm -hmm. um, lead to disruption in sex hormones. But what do you consider fasting? fasting? Normalize that. What do you consider fasting? Because Nikki, Nikki now doesn't eat. Huh? Not nothing drastic. It's just what I recommend in my book is a 24 hour fast, but it's not like where you have to go to bed hungry. You just, like if your fasting day is Thursday, you eat dinner on Wednesday, then you eat dinner again Thursday. Right. So you just pretty much have to skip breakfast and but lunch. But what about, what about, the, uh, well, I'm sorry, because uh, Nikki won't eat before three o'clock in the afternoon. And then, she, you know, then she'll eat. And some days I don't eat until dinner. I mean, I, I yeah. it's, it's not really is, planned, but given my what I do and the amount of food that I do need to eat when I need to eat, I have been doing this now for three years and I find it incredibly successful and it is not a struggle but for successful me. in what way i'm at my physical i feel very physically healthy i just climbed camelback mountain like i feel what a man your really? skin looks great too but, your skin looks amazing thank you i appreciate yeah. that but i mean so so is it better in other words what's the best fasting methodology to do well the best the schedule like if you want to do something that you know is minimal investment of, you know, time and suffering, I would say once a week, do the 24 hour fast. And uh, again, you'll see there, there are a lot, there's lots of research to show that it helps improve your sensitivity to, you know, those hunger and, and fullness signals. So you don't actually eat as much food if you tend to, to overeat. Mm. It helps um, just to helps normalize your endocrine system. So it's great for sex, but it's great for overall health as well. And what let's talk, I mean, I love that because I, Everything you have said has happened for me, so I completely agree with that. Um, and Even you, the sex stuff? Yeah, the sex is great. Okay? Sex is great. I mean, of course. <laughs> but, what can I say? I mean, you know. um, now, let's talk about mushrooms because microdosing is huge right now, but that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about mushrooms as vegetables, or are you talking about, like, magic mushrooms? Which one are we talking about? I was talking about regular old mushrooms, even your plain white button mushrooms that you Mm -hmm. find in the grocery store, but also the exotic ones, too. Uh, Mushrooms are fascinating. I I just love them. First of all, they're loaded with antioxidants. So right off the bat, you have the ability to strengthen and speed nerve conditions, strengthen and speed pleasure, you know, signaling, which Mm -hmm. is huge for sex. But also the coolest thing about mushrooms is that they operate on the um, the microbiome. The research that's out there shows that different mushrooms basically uh, have an effect on different species of microbes in the in the microbiome. And even your simple white button mushrooms that you find at the grocery store improve the biodiversity 
of these microbes. And so they um, they improve health in that way. I mean, when, when so we're what, talking can about- Can I ask a quick question? What about like all these yeah. mushroom coffees or mushroom drinks? What What are they? Uh, a lot of times they're just um, either the mycelium, which yeah. is, uh, you know, so you have different types of mushrooms, you know, different forms. You have the fruiting body and then you have that little uh, micro network, the web-like network that lives underneath the ground, the mycelium. And um, sometimes they're, you know, the mycelium of different things. And it's just another way to incorporate it. Pretty much um, there's a company called uh, Host Defense that, you know, sells that in capsules. And it's pretty much what's in those capsules is also either infused in the drink or infused in the cough, the chocolate, for example. They have mm-hmm. coffee drinks. They have things like that. Christine, just oh, wait, like I'm just going to put you on hold for one sec. We just have to take a quick break. When we come sure. back, we'll talk about... Uh, other ways to optimize our oh, sex Oh, I have lives. the way to come back. Yeah, he does. I bet he does. Uh, this is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. It's getting sexy in studio. We'll be right back. All right. We are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking to my favorite author in the world, Christine Delozier. Okay, you have another author sitting right next to you. My other favorite <laughs> author, I meant to say. Um, uh, Christine is the author of Diet for Great Sex. Who I just want to say he did, you know, I'm trying give to his love na- to her first, and na- now he's giving his love to you. So now you understand what I deal with all the time. Well, <laughs> I'm a prostitute. What can I say? I go, okay. So so you've got a lot of interesting stuff in the book. One of the things you address is the ultimate date night menu. Well, you, particularly people who are going out, their first, their first date, they're all revved up. What should they eat? They're going to have sex on oh, the first date. They shouldn't eat heavy day, stuff. You're, you're assuming they're going to have sex on the first date. Well, um, well that that's one. just based on experience. <laughs> but anyway, everyone? go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so a date night sex menu, you know, assuming we're going to have sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, is, um, you know, all the foods that have been shown in research to have an immediate benefit to blood flow. So there are actually lots of studies showing, for example, like spinach, Um you know, so um, some of your listeners may be familiar with the fact that nitric oxide is what dilates our blood vessels. One study, for example, gave participants one single serving of spinach, and then they measured their salivary nitric oxide. After two hours, after eating one serving of spinach, it was eight times that of baseline. Hmm. So it's pretty actually significant. It's not just a drop in the bucket. It's right. measurable. You have a measurable um, increase in blood flow. And in some cases, you have a measurable increase in arterial function. Well, can I ask so, you about, well, before you move on from nitric oxide, because I, I take it every day. I have it in powdered form and I, I drink it because it's also supposed to peel the plaque off your arteries. Um, is, is that, is that a trendy thing or is that, I mean, is nitric no, oxide, you know, like a major thing that people should be doing across the board? Well, it's leafy I green. Wouldn't, I actually wouldn't, I would recommend that you get it from, um, if, if, if you're doing it for breakfast, throw a handful of spinach in your smoothie because there are actually some studies showing some adverse effects from nitric oxide supplementation. So I would get it from a spinach. It's really effective, you know, and it tastes better and there's, it's lower risk. Well, um, and I put spinach But yeah, it's, 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 no, there's yeah, some pretty long-standing research on nitric, on um, naturally occurring nitrates, you know, just showing their benefit to vascular health. So it's not really trendy. It's just more like there's lots of research now. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other things, certain foods that you eat will dump your testosterone after eating them. So there are certain foods you want to avoid on date night, like a really fatty, greasy meal and, or, um, 
a really sugary meal, anything that spikes your blood sugar. So don't take your gal out for a burger and ice cream, boys. So no burger and fries? Is that right. what I'm hearing? No burger and yeah, fries? Yeah, you know, creme brulee, chicken alfredo, you know, uh, well, none of that. You're yeah, not going to Alvino then. Alvino, I mean. <laughs> They had a good salad there, I know. <laughs> but okay. that's how much you want to order when you go to Ovino. You, know, you want to order some, you know, something nice yummy. or something. All right. So, Christine, <laughs> tell us where we can find you because I know you're uh, prolific um, socially. Where we can find you uh, on Instagram and online and uh, where we can find your book. Um, you can find my book on Amazon, Diet for Great Sex. And I'm on Instagram at Diet for Great Sex. I'm on dietforgreatsex.com. I have a blog. And I have a few, just a few food videos on um, TikTok as well at Diet for Great Sex. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to put you on speed dial. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Christine. Thanks, Christine. Thank you. Okay. All right, Martha, we're back to you. What do we have here? Well, wait, we didn't really talk about um, Rachel's wine. We just talked about like the winery. So tell us a little bit about the red and sort of the grapes they're using and what's happening there. Sure. So it's a Pinot Noir. Um, one of the reasons this makes a great Pinot Noir because it's actually, her vineyard is the most far west you can go mm-hmm. in terms of like sea level are to California. Are they Where are they? So they're Spanish vineyards. Mm-hmm. And that's also the meaning behind the seahorses is because it's very close to the water. Okay. And actually, yeah, the furthest west. That's why it's such a great Pinot. Mm, it is. It's lovely. So it's when the really oceans good. rise, what happens to their okay. vineyard? Let's move on from that. I'm a Pinot drinker. Uh-huh. My Peloton name is Cycles for Pinot. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> now we know how to find you. Okay, so you got one more wine. What's our story? Um, so this is House of Brown. House of Brown is a great story. Uh, Brown Estates Vineyard, House of Brown is their offshoot, was the first black-owned winery in Napa. Wow. Um, they actually, House of Brown um, is pretty new. Um Brown Estates has um, a really cool Zinfandel as well. Oh God, that's good. And I'll tell a little story about their Zinfandel, too. They have a scarab beetle on their bottle of Zinfandel, which mm-hmm. means good luck, because winemaking is kind of all about fortune, whether it be weather, fires. So right, they like use that. Dynamic, right? Exactly. It's all so they use that beetle as good luck. House of Brown, and it is a Chardonnay. It's but still, this is not, it doesn't drink like a Chardonnay. No, this does not drink like this, I don't order California Chardonnays because I'm always like, the oak is too much yeah. for me. But look at the color. It's, it's gorgeous. It's still barreled, so it drinks more. It's zesty. It's fruity. A little bit of, you know, stone fruit in there. So it doesn't drink like a California Chardonnay. It's beautiful. Good. So tell us now, let's wrap up with uh, your restaurant and what's happening there for the month. And how people can come in and when you're doing service, like give us uh, everything. Sure. And one reason I did want to end with the House of Brown is their ethos, which is come one, come all. Mm -hmm. And that's what we wanted kind of on our wine list, that ethos. Um, So we do showcase that once a month, the Mm -hmm. last Tuesday of the month. This month we're doing on the 22nd at our Sip and Savor Wine Dinner. We are showcasing females this month for Mm -hmm. March. Um, so every month you do a sip and savor wine on dinner. the last Tuesday. Fun, yeah. Um, our chef does a prefix menu. It's different than what's on our normal menu, and we pair wines with it. We kind of make it a little fun, more like a more casual wine dinner. Mm-hmm. So we'll actually leave the bottle on the table, and then I come and talk oh, your ear off wrong? about that bottle. Yeah, <laughs> but we want it to be fun. We want it to be a little fun Just and funky. Serve it with a little spinach and oysters. There you go. <laughs> right. And, and a room large key. wine consumption may also lead yes, to right. 
So, you know, mm-hmm. um, we also are showcasing Republic Restoratives in our lobby this month, every Wednesday from 530 to 630. Big, huge, LBTGQ. I'm sorry. Yeah. Nothing can restore the Republicans. It won't <laughs> so, yeah, no. Republic, Republic Restoratives is a female... Um, owns a distillery in Washington, D.C., so they're doing all of our gallery tastings on Wednesdays from 5.30 to 6.30, right. which is just the time for our neighbors and hotel guests to come down, have a drink, socialize, and just kind of— And their civic vodka is amazing. Oh, their civic vodka is great. Their mm-hmm. bourbon is really great. Next week, we're going to do assembly gin, so oh, we're cool. going to focus on— um, and then as well as that, we'll have a new spring menu coming mm-hmm. out next month. And we haven't started lunch service because of the pandemic and opening. We will start lunch service April 4th. So we're really well, excited I w- about that. I have to say something as a real dilettante because I can't remember what wine I had last night. Did I have one last night? <laughs> you didn't. That's but why I can't remember. this sounds really well researched and it tastes great. But mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds really well thought out. It sounds like a real meaty program. Thank you. It's impressive. Yeah, it Thanks. is. It's great. We yeah. can't wait to come in. Yeah. We're very excited. We're excited to have you. Yeah. So terrific. Well, um, tell everybody, please, where they can find you all on Instagram and on uh, the web. Sure. Instagram, we're Lyle DC on the web. Also, Lyle DC. Makes it easy. And we're right in the heart of DuPont. So, yeah. yeah and yeah. we also, oh, one more thing I should tell you is we have great brunches. We talked mm-hmm. about brunch earlier. Um, we have DJ brunches on Saturday and Sunday. So we do unlimited or bottomless mimosas and Bloody Marys with a DJ every Saturday and Sunday. And they're a lot of fun. Oh, that does sound yeah, like fun. fun. What why kind of music? Why it sounds like a hootenanny. Okay, that's why that would <laughs> kind not of, be fun. Um, I would say like funky, a little bit of R&B throwbacks. Are we getting our 90s and 80s music You would get your any 90s, chance, early any 2000s. Any chance Mary J. Blige will show up? Mary J. Blige would probably make an appearance, yeah, on <laughs> the DJ set. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, great. Booty and the Beast exclusive. All Breaking right. news. So, well, thank you so much for joining us today and pouring all these wonderful wines. And we want to thank all of our guests for joining us. We got a real education today, whether you're recycling or having great sex. I had fun. You can figure it you all out. You can recycle out. while you have great sex, friends. <laughs> Just letting you know. So we want to thank you all for joining us. We want to thank our listeners for joining us. Please go to the listareyouonit.com, the online e-zine that tells you about everything going on in the D.C. metro area. Restaurants are popping open, just like the flowers, hopefully. And uh, there's so many great promotions happening in and around the city. Don't forget about all the fundraisers for Ukraine. There's tons happening, and there are lots of ways that you can help. Uh, even if it feels like just a little bit. And uh, follow me at NYCCI, N-E-L-L-I-S, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for the latest and greatest on just what I'm doing uh, in and around the D.C. area, but of course my travels and et cetera. And everybody, please have a delicious week. 